<laughs> yeah, I, I lately I've had a lot of time in my hands. So I'm like, you know, like it's crazy because it's like I can really delve into things that I've that I was loosely interested loosely interested in before, but now that I've gained this time um, for the last five months, almost six months, I guess now it's like I have this time now to really dig in and and figure stuff out that I and this is how my YouTube channel was born because I had you know after I left Tesla in September of last year, I had been there for four years. And, um, before that I was just working like crazy, constantly working. And after I left Tesla, you know, my, my whole thing was, let me just take some time to myself to figure out what I want to do, you know, from a passion perspective. And then within five weeks, I got so freaking bored. I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. Now I understand why I was working 10, 12 years straight. It's cause I can't, like, I can't help myself. And then sort of, you know, I saw, obviously I've been following like, uh, YouTube Tesla for a long time. I had been invested in the company since 2012. And uh, one of the things that seemed natural for me was to kind of start providing my experience from um, from being a Tesla because um, having had so much exposure to the company beforehand and being there for as long as I did, I felt like it gave me kind of this unique perspective that I was able to bring to the to to everyone. And and I know how passionate Tesla fans are, myself included. And it, and I'm like in my head, okay, so if I came out and I told myself that information, would I be hyped about it? Yes. I'm like, okay, so I have to share it. Like regardless if I'm comfortable or not, I have to share it. And now I'm here freaking trying to figure out how OBS works, and I got this freaking camera here that I struggled with for a long time. And then my wife helped me with this studio thing. So it's like, it's turning to this weird, like, like thing that I didn't expect, you know, and I get to talk to you, you know, which is like, for me, it's like a treat because I've been watching your stuff. You know, one of the things that I said on uh, when we were DMing back and forth was like, you know, people listen to you in, in Tesla. Like, I remember people would like randomly come up to me, be like, yo, did you hear what Gally said yesterday? He's talking about, you know, like Tesla's potential growth and he thinks full self-driving is going to be dope, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, that's freaking great. Like, that's awesome. Gally's dope. And I freaking get to talk to you. <laughs> so it's like, it's wild, man. It's been a while, yeah, right? Yeah, that's crazy. Wait, so, so fill me in. So you yeah. worked at Tesla on yeah. like what teams and then you decided to be a podcaster recently and, and like migrate into the creator world. So I'm curious, like, just to find out a little more about that. Yeah, for sure. I don't know yeah. if you've already said that, but I'm just curious. No, you're good. Absolutely. Yeah. So I I worked, um, I joined Tesla. So I'll give you a little bit of background before that even. So I, I joined Tesla in uh, July of 2017. And then before that, I had uh, I was a director of BI and pricing at a distributor of pet food and supplies, the largest one in the country. Okay. And I had been following Tesla like crazy up to then. I had I've been invested since 2012. The run up back in 2012 and 2013, when they reported the first ever quarterly earnings, allowed me to buy my first house. So it's like one of those things like it it became such a big part of me because it truly started changing my life. And I'm like, holy crap, this is freaking dope. So super research Elon, super research Tesla. And then when I joined the company, I joined um, from the distribution service side. So it was, um, I started working, uh, Mattel was analyst, but really they brought me in to figure out how to make the service distribution aspect of the company as efficient as possible, starting with their warehouse out in Pennsylvania. So I, I lived in Pennsylvania. And then from there, you know, within a couple of weeks, I went from working on specific things at the warehouse in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, to like network wide stuff across the entire United States. And then I started doing stuff overseas in like the Netherlands, freaking China. So it's like it like exploded into this role that really allowed me to get a lot of insight internally from the supply chain perspective. Um, and then after I left, and so being there four years, it taught me like a crazy amount of lessons, but having worked there, most, you know, if, if not all full-time employees get part of the conversation, compensation is in stock. And 
when I initially joined the company, I made it a point to ensure that a large percentage of my compensation was stock because I was such a huge believer in the company. I'm like, I don't care if you don't pay me a big salary, just give me the freaking shares, bro. Like, just give me the shares. I like work for free if you just give me the shares, okay? <laughs> like, I really have that much faith in the company. And then it, it was a great, you know, I was super thankful for Tesla to have uh, agreed to that. And I'm obviously um, very thankful to have had that opportunity, but that, that recent run in 2019, 2020, 2021 allowed me to really build a lot of uh, personal wealth through that investment, plus other things we're doing on the side with like our business and uh, real estate and stuff that really allowed me to become financially independent. And one of the things that I asked myself was, like, okay, I'm, I'm working at this incredible company in Tesla, and it's such a huge, like so many people would be in my position. And then I, I started thinking about it, like, okay, but like, what do I want to do? Like, do I... What are, what's my reason that I'm here? What's my passion? What's the thing that I re, I'm really here meant to do? And I quickly realized that I've never had the time to sit down and freaking ask myself that question. All I have been doing for the last 12 years is grinding. I'm like, okay, so it feels like I'm at the perfect time. You know, I'm married. We don't have any kids. Financially very stable. We could take time and just be like, okay, let's like, who are we? What's this humanity thing? What's this being alive thing about? And I, I feel so thankful to have that time and opportunity because of Tesla, you know? And yeah, and now I'm here freaking making YouTube videos because I, I felt like it was valuable for the investment community and like Tesla fans and everybody who follows the company to have to have a, another dimension of understanding behind why the company does so well. And so I'm like trying to pass on all my, all my learnings and everything to everyone else and also figure out what I want to do as well. So this is kind of like a pathway for me to figure out. Um, where to go, you know? So I, that was probably way longer of an answer than you expected, but <laughs> but that's, oh, that's, that's the awesome. journey. Yeah, that's dope. And I think you should um, like you're onto something really big. And if you, I think I try and convince all my friends to be YouTube YouTubers, and mm. so you've already done that, and you've already unlocked the way that you can feel passionate about making content that matters to you. Yeah, and so. I like you should just chase that and go all in on it because like you have no idea where it'll take you. Honestly, that's what I would say. And I'm, right. I'm super excited for people like you because it's just, I don't know. Like, I feel like the hardest part's already done, which is like kind of going zero to one. And now like, it's like run with it. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I really appreciate that galley. That's one thing that, you know, I've had like folks around me that have been so supportive in that journey, but like watching you has been super inspiring as well. Right. Cause so you started HyperChange in what, 2017 was it? Like five years ago-ish on YouTube? What the hell was that like? Like if you look back five years and now you look at where you are, you know, from from like that that uh, content creation perspective and sort of the learnings you've had, you've had a chance to sit down with Elon Musk himself and talk to him. Like I really want to gain a lot of insight around around sort of what how, what you've thought about your journey. Like what are the things that are surprising? What are the things that like are still blowing your mind to this day? I really want to really want to, because I really, I've watched you, I've, I've watched, and I know initially your initial videos were like, especially now as well, but like you were always, always like, you know, I'm doing this for myself. This is, I'm chronicling my investment journey, right? But it seems like it's given you so many other opportunities. Like, what, well, how does that feel? I mean, it's a big question. And actually, it's kind of funny because I just recorded a video. I don't know if it'll come out before or after this. That's like, kind of like my hyper change graduation. And basically, because I started hyper change as like, instead of getting an MBA, 
Um, and I read this Gary, I've kind of discovered who Gary V was and just like, I always wanted to do something big and be an entrepreneur, but like never figured out how to package it. And I was, was always obsessed with investing. Mm. Um, and then I kind of had this eureka moment of like the internet exists. Like, this is my moment. Like I saw like the social network. I know that's like maybe a lame comparison, but it's like the wall street didn't have it's like di get disrupted by, um, a kid in a hoodie moment. And I felt like it was coming and I felt like CNBC sucked. And like, I just had no outlet for my like feelings about financial markets, even though I was like, I'm a true finance nerd. I want to own these amazing businesses. Like, but nobody at business school cares about that. CNBC is not talking about that. And so I'm just going to make the show that's talking about that, which is just me, like the kind of the show I wanted to watch, which is an investor chronicling their ideas and their investments, super honest and authentic. I mean, like I'm wrong. I messed up. I don't know everything, which seems like really simple concepts. But those are so foreign to the financial media. Mm -hmm. And so um, just started documenting chronically my journey. And honestly, like I thought I may have sucked at investing when I started. Like I didn't know, like, I mean, I was super passionate and nerdy about it, but like I'm betting big on these things that are Bitcoin, that are Tesla, that all my mentors think are crazy, that my professors laugh at me when I bring up just as a genuine curiosity of why are we not, um, why don't we have a single global, global currency? Isn't that more efficient than transacting um, other stuff. Like, shouldn't we explore this thing called Bitcoin, which offers this incredible promise that all foreign exchange professors should be waiting for? Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Or like, and then sim similar with Tesla. And it was, um, and so I just kind of was like, okay, I'll put it on YouTube and I'll just see if I can find a community. And then super, super slowly and organically, I like, found all these people who connected with my same ideas and just built on it. And like, was like, instead of getting my MBA by going somewhere, I'll like try to package this thing into a business called hyperchange and run with it. And I feel like I've been running for five years straight and it's been like an insane journey. And I have hyper guap, my VC hyper charts, mm -hmm. which already sold. And now it's like, whoa. So I'm just taking a pause because I feel like it's, I just kind of needed to, but um, mm. yeah, so that's. Gotcha. Gotcha. Wow. So it's like, to me, the, the things that come up when you say that is how, so initially take me back and how much because i'm trying to i'm trying to figure this out myself and that's like this is why i'm talking to you because i really not only do we want to discuss some things pertaining to tesla specifically but i also want to really pick your brain from from a human perspective as well so when you initially started that chat you started really that journey of like of trying to be that different voice uh from a regular business channel who's not really focused on the things that you feel are very very important walk me through um did you have any uh, confidence issues when you had that? Did you feel afraid to come out with that opinion because it was so different from everybody else? Or were you like, I I'm very confident in who I am. I don't really care what kind of response I get. I'm going to go out there and really share, really share what I feel and, and think. Forget how it's received. Like how did you think about that? Was that any part of your uh, discovery process? I'm curious to hear. Well, I knew I was really good at stocks because I thought about them all the time and was nerdy. But I mm -hmm. think this is something that a lot of people struggle with that I feel like are my peers, which is they don't give themselves the opportunity to be great or the opportunity to succeed. Mm. And it's like, you know, if I if I want to do this investing thing and I have these radical ideas and like I believe in this thing called the era of hyper change, which is things are different than ever. All these new companies are waiting to build to change the world. You see this you understand why the PE ratio is antiquated like antiquated because cash flows are going to grow faster than ever and et cetera, et cetera. Like mm -hmm. the world's connected. It's hyper change. Like you need to bet on that. Like if you look back in 80 years at your life, it was like, oh, a no brainer that like the kid in college who had these new ideas about technology, like 
was right about the future instead of all these old guard people mm. who like weren't innovating and being boring. So I just kind of like had to have this moment of like, you got to bet on yourself and like give yourself the opportunity to be kind of like succeed and be like, okay, well, if I am right and Tesla is the future, then me talking about it now and betting my entire reputation, my career on it, which everybody thinks is the dumbest move is actually going to be the smartest move because I'm going to put my stake in the flag when, or like my stake in the ground or my flag in the ground when nobody wants to, and nobody believes it and nobody sees it. And that's why it's going to have so much value. And I'm going to bet my whole career on this. And like, I don't know, I'm a big believer in YOLO and like, I want to go big and do like great things in my life. And I think you have to kind of like, so I kind of like took this really big, bold bet of like my own believing in my own ideas. And mm. I actually, the way I had that kind of like breath of fresh air to do that was I had invested in Bitcoin. And so Bitcoin started skyrocketing mm. and that actually in, in early 2018, like I cashed out of like all my Bitcoin, which was like two Bitcoin at the time, which mm. gave me six months of rent. Mm. So then I was like, and that was my own validation of like, my family can tell me whatever. I The world doesn't have to give me money. Everyone can think it's a bad idea, but I'm good enough at this to where I can buy six months of rent to bet on myself to keep this going. And then that, and then it kind of took off after that, but. Got it. And so how much, so if you compare like your, your conviction and confidence levels in believing in yourself now versus say five years ago, how much of that has helped that, like that, that journey where you have seen your investments pay off and you've been very strategic about what you've done. Has that, has that done anything for your confidence or your ability to really go all in and what, what you feel is the right thing to do? I mean, I think it's probably, I'm at a point in my cycle where I need to have a lot more wrongs and losses. Okay. <laughs> so many wins in a row that like, I mean, deep down, I'm like, do I think there's anyone better at me than investing in the world? Like, no. Mm. Like I genuinely believe that, which is a super hot take and I don't even want to say it, but like you're asking <laughs> me and like, that's what yeah. I believe. And like, sure. you know, tell me I'm wrong. Like I bet I wrote a whole book right here five years ago or four years ago about how I'm all in on Tesla and Bitcoin. Like you mm. show me one other investor that articulated that thesis this early on both of those. Mm. You won't. And Ethereum. Mm. You literally just won't. And so that's why I'm like, and, and, and the way I think about my wealth is that it's freedom. You know, I'm 29 and like, um, do I want to start a financial firm? Do I want to make rich people richer? Do I want to just study businesses all day? No. And like, yeah. frankly, I had enough skill to buy myself out to kind of get out of that rat race of being an investor. And so that's kind of how I've looked at it now and why I kind of want to, in a lot of ways, move on from business or think about different ways I can be impactful because it was always kind of like a means to an end to prove it to myself. Well, like if you're really smart and you're really a great investor, like why don't you make enough money to do whatever the hell you want with your time? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that's kind of a fascinating litmus test for a lot of people. But like, um, so now that I've kind of like, you know, I'm starting my VC firm Hyperguap, like, and I, I hate being a VC and I hate doing that, but I'm like helping these incredible founders offering what I think is the best venture product in the entire world. And it like literally like pulls me out of retirement every single deal I do. Cause I think it's like, such a insane home run. And like, I just got off the phone with like this one hour meeting with this insane founder who like, I'm not even allowed to talk about it, which is mm. another big thing that's been bothering my career of like, I've moved on from my alpha generating opportunities like Tesla and Bitcoin being publicly available to the wide 
public versus me having my opportunities be closed off in a private way. And you might be like, yeah, that's super lame and greedy, which is super true. But on the flip side, if you want to be a super great investor, who's actually maximizing your alpha and building capital at the fastest rate possible, and you're in my position, how am I going to leverage my access into the best startup in the world with instead of a 5k check, a 500k check, I'm going to build a new type of VC firm that crowds from equity for my subscribers gets a 500 actually might even send, we've done a 10 million dollar check so mm. all of a sudden now i invested t- i only have 5k but we wrote 10 million i get 20 percent carry on that that could be 2 million if we double so i'm getting thousand x leverage on my capital without getting any debt mm. so this is it, so i'm trying to sometimes have people watch what i'm doing versus what i'm saying because yeah it sucks that my current investments aren't public but if you were in my shoes and you wanted to learn the most about the best companies in the world become homies with the smartest founders in the world give them money be like, be a kind of power player in this situation, which I think like, I kind of want to be like, that's just the price. And I'm kind of playing that game. So yeah, I don't know if I'm getting totally sidetracked. No, you're good. No, this is, this is perfect. This is, this is super good insight for me. And you said, you said, why, why do you hate being a VC? What, what are, what are the sort of things that you don't enjoy about it? Well, I think like Elon says, there's too many people in the world that are in finance and investing and business and like, Mm. Um, and I just don't like the idea that a VC is I'm making like rich people richer to an extent and like helping companies and by giving them money is great. And like a lot of the, that's why I like the startup investing super early stage. Cause I'll, a lot of times I'm betting on founders when nobody believes in them. And like, that's the moving the needle on this company getting created or not. And that mm-hmm. company getting created or not could change the world in the long run. So I'm mm-hmm. super like, I, this is actually like my inner, like my midlife crisis right now. Mm. So I love that side of VC, but I also am like, do I say that? Do I really just want to do it for the money because I can get hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in a management fee if I do launch a fund and go all in on VC? And then like, I'm just like, think I'm cool because I'm a VC and everyone thinks everyone's like, yeah, he's a VC and he's got millions. Like, is that what? And I want to be on Forbes. Like, is that why I'm doing it? Or it's like, I don't know. And it's just, I feel like you at the end of the day, you're just investing in other people's ideas. Like I don't want at the end of the day, people to know me as an investor or as like someone who helped tell Tesla story or help tell Elon Musk or that's great, but I want to be known for the things that I do. Mm-hmm. And so at some point it's just kind of like, I'm cutting the cord on like, despite there being endless opportunities in the business investing world. Like I don't want to be an investor. I think of myself as an artist and like me having the time to create my art without the burden of someone telling me what to do is priceless and you couldn't buy that for me. So now that's oh. making the tough decision of let's turn down the millions and do what you want to do. Are you really about it? Or do you just say that you're, you know, so that's yeah. like a difficult decision. Wow. I mean, th- that resonates so much with me. Cause that was literally, that was literally how my brain was functioning when, when I decided to leave Tesla and I was thinking about it for like six months. I'm like, okay, so obviously working here, Greatest, in my opinion, and I'm sure you probably agree with this statement, one of, if not the greatest company on earth right now, with one of, if not the greatest leader on earth, and probably of multiple generations before us and Elon, right? In the way that he really runs business and the kind of person that he is, which again, I want to I talk to you more about later. But, um, and then I'm like, okay, so I can continue working at the company and bring tremendous amount of value for the company and continue making a, a, a great living through the stocks and salary or whatever, and being associated with this incredible mission, right? This like once in a lifetime mission that you can be at. But but is that who I am? Like, who am I? You know what I'm saying? Like, like is that really what, I'd be no, what I wanna be known for? And one, the one thing I noticed like for the first two weeks after I decided to leave, it was 
the, the thing that I would always get is like, why'd you leave? Tesla's awesome. I'm like, dude, you're not helping. <laughs> I'm like, damn it. Like, I, yeah, it is awesome. And it's freaking dope. And Elon's the man and the company's incredible. And, but like, but it, it just, there was something, I, the way I always explain it is like, we were, we were gifted a unit, we were gift, given, we were being, oh my goodness, I can't get this out. We were given a gift by the universe of, of our health, our, our youth and financial freedom. And if we don't take that gift to really explore who we are as people, it's a lost opportunity. And then once I started being much more vulnerable about that feeling and really becoming much more open to others and, and myself about it, it really took away that that sort of almost guilt at the beginning of deciding to move on to a different journey, you know, because there's just so much that I owe to that mission and that thing that happened. But I think like eventually for me, my big focus is like, what are my next five years going to look like? And if, if, if I kind of go back to you, it, are your next five years clear in your mind? Do you have an idea of what kind of, so you mentioned like your art, you want to create your art. Like, have you figured out what that art is? Have you figured out who that art is for? Walk, walk me through that. Uh, not really, which mm -hmm. is why I want which is why I'm trying to take like a, this is a funny time. Cause I'm like, I'm like literally on the, this is the last interview I'm going to do for so long. And I'm oh my goodness. Like sab sabbatical. I don't know if I mentioned that I'm not doing another interview for so long. So I'm, I'm honored. Like, I'm done with interviews, <laughs> but I'm stoked. That's why I'm going all out on this one. Wow. Um, I don't know. Like I have a lot of like, like, well, like I wrote this book in a month and like, I'm super proud of it. And that was just a project. So like, I want to do those projects. Um, like I have, like, I want to make like sitcoms that are really like high budget and high produced that are funny. Mm. And like, I want to be in them too. Like I have all these visions of like, but not just in like a, Oh, you're making a sitcom way, but like, how do you make something funny about something like Tesla mm. that then brings people into Tesla? Like, I think, um, and this is kind of what I talk about a lot in my thing. It's like, well, hyperchange makes you think I want to, I, and it's a, I, what I create is a digital file that I send across the internet and other humans get it. And that digital file maybe changes the way they think about technology or finance or economics. Mm. So I want to create digital files that make you feel something that, and that touch you on a higher surface level emotion that is more powerful because I think the world is really lacking in inspiration right now. And we have all the technology and ideas and like, opportunity and potential to build this amazing bright future but we're not doing it and i think the biggest needle mover is inspiration and so me doing inspiration for financial markets and fi with financial content's great but i i want to make deeper stuff and that's why i'm challenging myself to do like stand up and i love stand up and i've done like 10 open mics and actually it's kind of a sad story like one of my friends was pa passed away and was hit by a drunk driver like mm. almost a year ago his name's Josh here, really Oof. and like that's why I'm really a big believer in FSD and all this stuff. And like, after that happened, I was like, I've always wanted to do stand up. Like I love stand up. Like, and I did it. Cause I was like, I might die tomorrow. Like, and if wow. I die, I want to have done open mic. So I'm doing open mic and like, shout out to Josh. And like, this is for him. And like, so that really reframed my life of like, life is short AF and just do the stuff that you always want to do. And so for me, that is really like stand up. And I want to like, get good at it. And like, I just think it's such a, like, I'm a stand up fan. Like I, I spend mm. all night watching stand up. Like I love it. And I think they're a super underappreciated art form to make the weird 
things that we don't want to talk about normal. And when we talk about robots in society and FSD and Elon Musk and electric cars, like to me, comedians have an incredibly powerful role in humanizing the technological change that's coming. And so the more accelerating the technological changes, the more we need art and comedy to explain that change and to make people feel okay with it. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about the super long arc of my career, I want to reset and say there's enough smart people doing business. There's enough people who are making hyper change like YouTube channels right now. Like that's dope. And I love Love it, but there's not enough people that are making power, powerful art, which connects to like a future we want to live in. It's like, oh, we're making art about the club or my chains or my whips. Like, I, I like that's dope, and it captures attention. But let's use that attention and funnel it towards, um, you know, democracy, towards clean energy, towards clean water, towards being nice to people. Like those are ideas that I think aren't getting enough love by smart people and thinking about how to distribute them. And I think art is the most efficient way to kind of distribute those. Wow. So, dude, thank you so much for being so candid and honest about that. Cause that's like, so it, it's so something, and you know, my, uh, my condolences for your loss, man, that's, that sucks. And you know, it's freaking, I'm really sorry to hear that. I think, I think the fact that you've been so, so open about how that, um, almost has inspired you in a way for, to really go after, um, what you feel is really strikes a chord with your soul almost, right? Like really strikes a chord with who you are as a person. I feel like that, I feel like that is a huge thing that's, that's happening through different means as well in the last two years. Cause I, if I think about like, what's my genesis for sort of my journey, it was like COVID, like COVID going down. And then my dad almost dying was like a thing for me that I'm like, holy shit, like what, like, what is going on right now? Like, what am I doing with my life? And, and, and seeing so many people around me, you know, thankfully uh, no one that I knew got so impacted by the disease that they, they passed away. But I saw, I saw family members get really sick. And I also heard about many people losing their jobs and losing their livelihoods and really becoming completely distraught. And, and it just, it just really lit a fire under me. And I'm curious, like how, how many other people feel like that right now in the world today that are going through that same, sort of feeling of like, I got to find my passion. I got to find my passion. And I think those, like, I wonder how many people out there actually have the means to follow their passion versus I, I feel like you and I are extremely lucky in that sense that we're able to do that with where we are. But a lot of that's due to the work we've done in the past as well. Uh, but I, but we're also lucky to be able to do that. Right. So I feel like, like, do you think about that often? Like how many other people out there in the world could potentially have like feel the same way we do, but they don't have the means to get there. And like how many people that could be and like those that are sort of the light bulbs going off for them to follow their passion. Yeah. yeah. Curious. And there's so many ways to think about that. Even just like, um, health, like, Oh, like I'm healthy and like, I can go work out like that. And people, you know, I used to be lazy about that, but it's like, mm. now that's one of my big goals. It's like my personal health and working out and just like the gift of like my body being healthy and like mm. being able to go for a run outside and like feel good after a run. Like that's a mm. gift that when I'm old, I won't be able to do. Like if I get hurt, I might not be able to do. So like, that's just one kind of example of the way I've kind of like retrained my life to be like, wow, like this is really, a and I, yeah, I think it's, it's as much as like those world, these world events have been negative. They've, I think they're going to catalyze a lot of change because of that reframing that we're all doing. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Dude, I feel like, I feel like we're like, almost living like parallel lives and like, like in a, in a, in a very unique sense where obviously very different paths, but we, I feel like you and I are sort of in a very similar point of our lives where we're like, okay, like what's the next five years? Like, am I really following my true passions? Like what, what am I so, supposed to be doing? 
<laughs> I can give you this advice, which I Please. try and give to all my homies and just everyone, especially young people, which is the imagine your imagination is the limit of your potential. Mm. And I really try and like, which I don't know. If, I don't know if people think that's corny or not, but I think it's a big idea because for me, I see my friends who are able to do great things that, and I believe they will never do any of those great things because they're not imagining their own potential. And mm. I don't know how to like tell them that and be like, yo, like, I see you have the ability to do so much great good for the world and you're going to do none of it because like you don't even believe in yourself. And I think that's like the greatest like like plague going on in humanity is like I guarantee 99.99% of people if you ask them like what they do and what their dream is, they'll like be like, oh, I like painting, but I suck at it. It's like, well, mm -hmm. why did you just say you suck at it? Like let the world tell you suck at it. Like Kanye sucked at making beats when he started. Elon mm -hmm. sucked at building companies when he started. Like everybody sucks at everything. So mm -hmm. um. I don't know. I'm getting sidetracked, but like, yeah. No, you're good. No, no, you. I, I, I love, I love where you're taking the conversation. I feel like, I feel like, how much of that do you think is is fear? Like, why, why do you think that is? Are people just afraid to be vulnerable about what they really love? Because I've thought about yeah. that before. You know. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, it's funny because I got in this conversation with a friend like a couple of days ago, and it's like you know, oh, you're so scared. Like you have all this fear about your passions and putting them out into the world because what will people think? And it's mm. like, you know, I was trying to think, how do I like give some good advice about that? And it's like, well, your fear is almost like, like, you know, it's like everything kind of has like a double side to it. Like your mm. fear is so powerful because your passion for your art is so powerful. So mm. if you're that scared about your art, like it's because you give that many shits about it, which means I actually think you're a great artist. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know how to tell people to get over that, but I'm like, you're telling me this, and all I can think is you are amazing because mm. only great artists give enough of a fuck to be worried about that. So yeah. I try and like balance people out with that and be like, and at the end of the day, do you want to die and be like, damn, I let fear dictate my decisions or like optimism dictate my decisions? And I always do optimism. So mm. yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. Like the, the one thing I try to combat that and my way of trying to pass that on to others is like, I, I've really become very open and vulnerable about uh, how bad I am at doing certain things and like not being afraid of exposing my, sh my shitty side because I'm trying to get better. And I think a lot of times what happens is folks are, they might be afraid that they're not as good as they should be when they start up with something. You know, like for example, a couple, uh, I, can't, I can't remember when I did this, but I made, a, I made a video like a week or two ago and it was like a seven minute video, but it took me like literally half an hour to record it because I was stumbling over my words all the time. I'm like, my God, literally at the end of the video, I'm like, wow, that was a fucking disaster, right? Or whatever, that took forever. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna put, I'm gonna post this entire fucking video with like just all the, all the bloopers, everything, me struggling. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Just so people mm -hmm. can see, it's like, yeah, I suck at this, but check this out. Like, like I suck at it. And people, there's some, there's one, at least one person out there that's enjoying my content. That makes me extremely happy. That's all I want is at least one person to find my stuff valuable, right? And look at, look at how bad I am at it. Like, don't be afraid to really get after it, even at the beginning, you know? And, and that becomes, and I don't know if that's like a societal thing where, where people are, are watching in a, like a social media thing because people are constantly watching people that are always so damn good at everything that when they go home and try it themselves, they're like tripping over themselves. They're like, oh, I'm too bad. Like, I can't do this. Like, 
there's so many other people out there that are so much better than I am at this. I'm not, I'm never going to be able to do it. But like, I think people forget that the uniqueness of their approach is truly what makes, sets, sets them apart from everybody. And that's why on YouTube, there could be a million videos a day being uploaded, but those million videos are going to get watched because each person, as long as they're being true to themselves and being who they are, it's going to create uniqueness for them. You know, it's like people will find that uniqueness in you. And I'm trying to embrace that. You know, I'm trying so hard to embrace that feeling of uniqueness. I'm like, I'm just, I am who I am, warts and all. And when I think about like creating, being an artist or being a creator of some sort, like that is the essence. It's that vulnerability of like who you are as a person that really dictates if your stuff is beautiful and and if it's something that you really, really enjoy, you know, from some, someone else's perspective. Because I feel like people can feel that. And when people can feel that, they'll be able to resonate with that from their side too. Because I'm a thousand percent sure they felt like that all the freaking time. They're just afraid to show it because it's super vulnerable and super scary because you you don't want people to tell you that you're bad at something, you know? Anyway, that's my rant about it. But it's like, I, th I think about this all the freaking time to like try mm -hmm. to get myself in a mindset where I'm comfortable doing what I'm doing. Because even then, this for me is slightly uncomfortable because I'm not like used to getting in front of the camera and talking to somebody. But like uh, watching others through the journey and then being like, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to make a decision to do it. And, you know, whatever, everything else be damned. If people don't like it, whatever. I don't really care. I'm just doing this for myself because I feel like this is something I want to do. So anyway, yeah. that was my no, I, Your authenticity. I think yeah. that's what I always, it's, that's the asset that you have and try mm. and be authentic. Like yeah. whenever you're making a decision, just always go with the authenticity in that 30 minute video you talked about. Yeah. It's authentic. Like in yeah yeah damn a little counterintuitive but i think that authenticity like whenever yeah. i put a video out that i'm like oh it's a little too personal it's a little too like i don't know like you know those always do the best mm -hmm. because they're like yeah so i don't know yeah no that, that remember, makes. i, I want to see how my latest video i recorded just goes because it was crazy so. okay i can't wait to see it <laughs> i can't wait to see it so i'm curious like how how long did it take you to get in, uh, comfortable in front of a camera? Like, was that something that came natural to you or did you have to learn how to be that? Are you, are you there already? Or are you like, how, how are you, how do you think about that? Uh, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like a super shy person and like mm. in real life and in front of a camera. But then for some reason, I also have a side of my personality that's just not shy and just owns it. And I feel mm. like, um, I kind of all like, yeah, I don't know. My cousins and I in Italy used to make like these really troll videos where we would like pretend to like fight wasps on the beach and like wear all my Nona's like pots and pans as armor <laughs> and just like make super troll videos. Um, so, and I used to have my like, okay, so this is actually my Blackberry from high school, which I just found this is where I started okay. trading <laughs> is on my Blackberry. And I took so many videos like i looked at this and i was like bro like you've been vlogging wow. like i was the homie in my friend group who was like dude we're doing something dope like i'm getting it <laughs> I'm, I'm recording this shit like i so, <laughs> i don't know like i've always loved like that you know that's awesome so it's kind of like you've been working at it without knowing that you it will eventually come like parts of that experience allowed you to become who you are on youtube which is a very a very and a very influential, a very important voice in the Tesla community, you know, like all that time that you spent. And that's, that's something that I sometimes like try to correlate back is like, you know, if I look at my subscribe, you know, if I look at my channel, I'm so surprised, even though like it's, it's a puny channel compared to, to most like super, you know, like the bigger guys, I have like 17,000 subscribers, but I started doing this like three months ago. So I'm like, holy shit. 
Like what happened? Okay. And then I'm starting thinking, I'm like, okay, so the last 10, 12 years of my life, I've been working super hard and I've also been crazy embedded into the sort of Tesla thing and have a unique perspective. And that sort of allowed me to get where I am today. Plus a lot of luck of like being really lucky and being where I am and people are finding this interesting to watch. So it's almost like at first I felt extremely guilty about about the, the the quote unquote success I was having with my channel because of the super quick growth and I and I can see people like are grinding super super hard for super long and they're you know, they're not getting to the seventeen thousand subscribers or whatever and I'm like okay but like I also got to balance that with the fact that maybe maybe I should give a little bit more credit to the last ten years of my life and all the things that I've yeah. sort of gone through you know because um, guilt Definitely. is a thing that I struggle with often but. You know, that's a, that's a story for a separate day. Holy shit. That's, I think a lucky uh, <laughs> problem to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Man. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, no, I sorry. I was going to say something I forgot, but. Um, oh, again, no problem, no problem. You well, mentioned well, that. Well, actually, I do know. Yeah. I think it's, I like, I'm like, I'm honored that you're having me on your podcast because your channel is going to be bigger than mine in no time. So, Get out like, of here. I'm like, this is strategic <laughs> for me. Like, you're come crazy. on, bro. Like, this is, <laughs> this is strategic. Like, I, come you on, know, um, that's one of my favorite things about HyperChange is like, that's one of the things that makes me happy is I've partnered with so many creators that I'm like, okay, I can't invest in your stock, but like, I'm going to like do a video with the limiting factor when he has like 8,000 subs because he's mm. going all the way. You know what I mean? Like, I love doing that. Like, like, and I just, yeah. So I think, I think, um, this is my way of investing in a creator is giving you time or whatever. And I just feel honored that you even want to have me on your show, but I just oh think, goodness. yeah, you should triple down on it because, um, whatever you're doing is working. And wow. it's like, you know what they say, like all 10 years successes, um, or all overnight successes are like 10 years in the making. I love mm. that. So it's like, that's kind of how I felt when I had my earnings call moment. It's like, oh my God, this is, it's like, dude, like this is literally like the 10 year mark of me being invested in the financial markets. And it was crazy wow. how it, that, you know, that's when it <laughs> like, yeah, it's where I kind of blew your mind at that point. That's very sweet, man. Thank you so much. That's super sweet of you to say. I really, that means a lot coming, coming from somebody like you, who's really like, you know, who, who, who I've admired, to be completely honest, just seeing the growth that you've done and sort of the, you've had the, the bravery to come out and say, this is how I'm going to, you know, chronicle my, my journey is openly with everybody else. So that's so sweet of you to say, man. Thank you so much. I'm truly honored to have you, man. And, and so the, the one thing I really want to ask you about, there's a few things I do, but like one thing that you mentioned. So that 10-year mark where you finally got on the phone on that earnings call through Say, right? And the retail investor was Not able to- say. What, what was it? Was it just when he was switching over to the retail investor questions? Was that what it was? Yeah. And okay. Well, and I had I had coordinated with my subscribers to. That's organize. when he was like, "Oh, this is so boring. Let's go to retail." Yeah. Oh, but, that's and, right. But before that, it was on my channel in the comments. Somebody suggested that I try and get on the earnings call. So behind the scenes, like I emailed Tesla and had all my subscribers who were shareholders email, then tweeted at Elon. Then he said, "Okay." So after they told me I couldn't be on the earnings call, so I was like scheduled to like represent retail investors on the call who had commented on my YouTube video. Mm. And then he was so, and he knew that I was there. So that's why in the back of his head, he's like, finally, like, screw it. Like enough of the Wall Street guys. Let's just get to the YouTube guy who has the good wow. questions. And that was me. And this is, I wanted to make this point because say, I partnered with say after that and I wireframe the thing for say that we then implemented with Tesla. It wasn't like I use say, it was like I created the thing. I say was the software version of the Q1 call because I did it all manually in Google Sheets. So gotcha. I said, software is eating the world. Let's create a software product that does this so I don't have to do this shit. And it's truly democratized. It's not what I think. It's what the community thinks. Say, 
Let's, can you build this software? Dope. Give me a bunch of stock in your company, build that software. And I will constantly bug Martin on the IR team and pitch mm. in this software until he implements it. And it took three quarters and we did. And now say is like Coinbase, Palantir, Tesla. They use that exact same software that I wireframed. That was a, a digitization of that earnings call, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, how, how does that make you feel? I mean, I'm honestly kind of pissed because Sage stopped <laughs> listening to me and including me in the meetings. And oh, even though I made a bunch of money when they sold to Robinhood, like they didn't accomplish mm. their vision of changing financial markets in the way they wanted to. And I think they could have gone way, way further with it. And their biggest mistake was like, like, using me and but then they thought that I was a useless YouTuber and had no business strategy despite setting up this whole business deal and then it's like and then they stop including me in all the business meetings and the product fizzles and it's like bro just keep including me and like we can take this all the way but like then you get into politics and bureaucracy and like that's another reason I'm quitting business is because like I just don't have enough time to deal with that I don't know I like this I like to do my drama though I, I want the truth to be known you know what I yeah, mean that's yeah. why I'm kind of like giving you the details because no I appreciate that Wow. So that that's that sucks, man. Like I feel like I feel like No, no, it's dope though. Cause I do yeah. I do want to set the record say and say say is awesome. Of course. Like, like I'm a huge like and like the fact that this technology is up is letting other retail shareholders ask questions, like, and that change started from that earnings call is so dope. And I'm yeah. obsessed with it. Um, but I think um, I'm worried that say selling to Robinhood will, uh, have them lose their focus and like, won't like take this mission all the way of like, right. yeah. Right. It's like, it's like, it's your baby. You got it up to like teenage years and then it's left the house, but it's like not at all reaching its true full potential. Yeah. Right. Chilling with the wrong homies. Yeah. Had so much potential kicking it with the wrong homies. And I'm like, oh, Damn. Me as a parent, you know, <laughs> man. I hope, I hope, I mean, I hope that somehow resolves itself. I mean, it's the, the shitty thing about, you know, and this is something that I saw when I was, um, I had to, I had a lot of, uh, privilege to be really close to. So when, when I was at the company before Tesla at Phillips, I reported to all the executives in the company at, at especially the CEO. And this is like a billion dollar plus company. So I got like a super like privilege, extremely lucky a time and, and a sort of view into how businesses tend to run and just how much politics and egos can get in the way. It's so oh freaking maddening. And then when I went to Tesla, it was the most refreshing thing of all time because it's like, I'm not going to say there are zero egos in Tesla. There were definitely, there were way more egos in Tesla in 2017 than there were in, when I left because during that Model 3 ramp, there were certain people where I'm like, I can't believe you are in the position that you're in because you're not making, you're, it's like reminding me of Phillips. But then what I noticed about Tesla is like fired, 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 fired. You know, like like people were didn't last very long when they started going that that path. And I think when the Model Three was ramping, I think Elon was on a war path to like freaking get the company where it needs to be from a leadership mm -hmm. perspective. Because it, if they didn't do that, it would have been one of the biggest contributor factors to them not being able to do that. It's like there was just this layer in there that was really preventing them. From my opinion, this is I'm just speaking from my opinion. I don't know if that's 100 true across all the all the pieces in Tesla, but that's what I saw, and that's when Thank I knew you. that was different. You know. This is so on the money. And when, it, and that was like, you know, a perfect example of how people from the outside seeing certain executive departures and misinterpreting them as mm. negatives when they're positives. And that's it. I'm like, dude, Elon, 
you're you suck you're out that's why i love tesla because yeah. you need that cutthroat dna to survive so when i see companies like you know rivian and they move slowly or i don't even even the startups that i consult with you know i'm an investor in 30 startups i'm talking to them a lot all the time the yeah. biggest mistake i'm doing is like we all know this person sucks get rid of them yeah like why are we and and that friction to do that is a weakness that a lot of companies are really bad at even when they're startups so tesla their scale to be good at that is an incredibly rare thing and it all starts with elon yeah. so that's like a concrete example of why elon is like different and, and yeah yeah a hundred percent and like that that's the thing that really stood out to me it's the it's the largest startup in the world that is incredibly good at leadership management and incredibly good at leveraging its mission to get everybody to buy in like that that would buy that's like tesla's dna it's great leader who takes no shit from leadership that does a bad job he wants the best leaders everywhere because each leader is really a, a a business leader in their sense they're like hey you are you are tesla supply chain that's your business figure it out okay you literally have end-to-end -end, and if you start playing politics or you have an ego bye-bye you're not you're not gonna and then it, it kind of works its way through the entire team you know I think, um, and and so what I really want to ask you about is like you got a chance to really sit down with Elon for for a while, you know, through the what was it the third row podcast if I remember correctly, right? Um, yep. And then, so you really got a chance to see him from a perspective that very few, uh, basically none of us do. What it like does he? I'm I'm really curious to see like what what are the things that really surprised you from like a humanity perspective about the guy that few people understand? Like, what, what are those variables that he has as a person that's tough to see when he's on, you know, on camera doing an interview, maybe in a setting that he's not super comfortable with? Like, were you able to learn more about him as a, and of course, if you don't want, if there's nothing you want to share, because I completely understand the guy's privacy, like, I don't want to invade, but like, is there something you want to share or could share from that perspective that might be helpful for folks to understand? I mean, yeah, I mean, Elon is like, I feel so lucky that I got to meet him. And I've, I think I met him like three times, maybe, mm. including the third row in person. And I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's like, it just kind of makes me sad when I read all this stuff about the world and all these people that hate Elon Musk and how much hate he gets. Because like, from as much as I can tell, he's just like such a good dude. That's such a smart engineer and inventor and just like such a treasure for humanity frankly just in terms of like his accomplishment like it's I, it's hard for me to even explain because like when you're in his presence it's like dude like he's huge like first of all he's like <laughs> physically right yeah like he's like <laughs> looks like a superhero and he's got like the most kind of chill just like swag like yeah he's a little awkward he's a little nerdy but like he just has this power he's got like a cool jacket on like he's just like you're like this guy's so cool like he's like done so much and like you just are in awe because it's like a man of the world you're like bro like i this i could live 10 lifetimes i'm never going to live through the shit that he's been through and mm -hmm. done the shit he's done like it's in, so i just it's it's hard to put into context like he mm -hmm. is really a larger than life figure and like you just feel that in his presence almost like so the first time i met him like i actually like almost blacked out it was like after the shareholder <laughs> meeting in 2018 and they, like they ushered me aside and they're like holy shit this is the guy who's on the earnings call like like Elon, like, I guess, like, I don't know. They wanted me to so say, just kind of pulled me aside and like, Gally, wait here. And then Elon pops out and he's like, Hey, and I'm like, first of all, I'm like, Whoa, like, Oh my, I'm like, dude, whatever you want. I was like, bro, I honestly just want to say thank you. Like you're, I'm the biggest fan. Like all I can say is thank you. Like I just, I like blanked out. I was like, I'm just so like, and I'm like, fuck, I wasted it. Like I didn't even, I actually, we did do, and he was like, if you have any marketing ideas, let me know. I don't know if this is too much to say, but I remember being like, 
you need to let MKBHD in the factory and do YouTube things. Mm. And I know he did do a tour with MKBHD later. So like, I don't know if that actually was related, but I remember, and he had like his, some assistant, like it was so funny the way things work. He's like, Gally, what do you think about marketing ideas? I'm like, we should just be doing more YouTube videos and like telling everybody the truth about all the awesome stuff. And like, look at MKBHD is the perfect collab. And like, and they're like, write that down. And then like <laughs> this lady writes it down, not but in, in a good way. Like, and it was, yeah, yeah. I was just like the, yeah. the, to have somebody who's that high up, genuinely want to know who I was, genuinely listen to my advice, be so humble. And like, I don't know. So I think he's really like in my life, like someone I would consider, like I admire so much and like a mentor, even though like, I don't really know him at all, but like just from a distance, like he kind of is a mentor and just like, I admire the way that he builds businesses, thinking about what's best for humanity, what's best for the future. And like, he takes the time to do the right thing. And that's super rare in business. And I spent my whole career being disappointed by my heroes. Like mm. I met David Einhorn and he was a dick and he only wanted to make money and he was a billionaire. And like, like I was in his office being like, let's invest in Tesla and change the world and like build this amazing future. And like, you could be a part of this amazing change in history and like also make billions of dollars. Like, why do you not want to do this? And he was only concerned with tearing him down, only concerned with manipulating the media, only concerned with profiting and shorting and disrupting innovation. And I was like, this is why I hate investors. This is why I hate Wall Street. This is why I hate business. Like, um, and so I, I literally was like, and like, I had his book, I read David Einhorn's book, like coming up in NYU and finance, it was like people would kill for a chance to interview at his firm. And I went in there and like argued with him about Tesla and he left. He was like, I thought you wanted a job. I was like, fuck you. I would never work for you. <laughs> like you are an idiot, bro. You're shorting Tesla. Oh, and so, um, and it just like, Elon was like, so the opposite of being disappointed by my hero. It was like, he was actually so nice. He was so polite. He's so friendly. Like he actually is doing it for the right reasons and kind of thinking about humanity in the best way possible. And like, look what he does for Ukraine. Like, dude, the dude is so busy. Like he literally works nonstop to make humanity better. And that's why I get like feet, like comparing him to Jesus. I know people hate that, but it's like just this idea that someone's sacrificing their life to make everything better for all of us to such an extreme degree that no other human is doing. Yeah. And um. anyway, so that's, yeah. No, I, I love that, Gally. I think I think the one thing, so obviously I've never met him. I worked, the, the only interaction I had with him was I sent him three emails when I was working at Tesla and he replied to all three. And he said one of them was a good idea. And I'm like, I'm putting this on my wall. Thank you very much. I'm printing this out. Very good. Um, but the the thing that I, I, I believe, and you telling the story that I did reinforces this, but like the one thing I gather from the guy is like, he's just a good person. Like his heart is good. He is a a good person who was obviously raised right, like as a human being, you know, May, his mom, obviously did a great job with all the kids because all three of them come across very personable, very kind-hearted. And where it really shows to me, and this is, might be a stupid thing, but like all those videos on YouTube of like, when the paparazzi come up to him, like, hey, Elon, blah, blah, blah. Hey, Elon, what's going on with this? And then he like literally stands there and like answers the questions. I'm like, what the hell? Like, like, shouldn't you just like be like running away from somewhere, you know, like to do something? But like, it seems like he really does he really places value on just being a human being and being a person. And even though he's got this larger than life persona or, or how we perceive him as somebody who's literally doing such great things. And, you know, you could say he's making a lot of sacrifices from his end to make humanity better. I think in that entire thing that just a just the kindness and the goodness of somebody that has to be required for him to do that, obviously gets uh it doesn't get talked about enough in my opinion because because the the mass media like from from like a broad 
uh, level perspective. I'm not talking about just the Tesla community, but I'm talking about like everybody else. Like, I feel like that uniqueness is is extremely rare. And we finally have somebody, in my opinion, who's at those levels that is uh, an aggressive business person, an aggressive inventor, an aggressive capitalist, but he's also aggressively a very good person. And I don't see that anywhere else. And you telling the story reinforces that, but I don't know. I don't know if that resonates with you or, or, or whatever, but it just looking at it from afar, that's what it seems like. And you hearing tell that story kind of helps me put that in better perspective, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it does. And I have yeah. so many like little stories that just like exemplify that, that yeah. on like too hard to even get go into, but yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Like, good. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that's, that's, my take with Elon. Okay. Like I try, yeah. That's awesome. So, so I honestly try not to bother him. That's like okay. my thing <laughs> in life. It's like, I'm like, dude, am I a problem? Should I not have leaked the 4680s? Am I talking oh, too much man. SpaceX gossip? Like, <laughs> dude, like, I'm just like, tell me to shut up if I need to. Like, I'm just trying to not. I feel like he would say something, right? I feel help. like he's the kind of guy that if we, you did for some reason, like overstep a boundary or something, he'd be like, yo, can you stop? <laughs> so I feel like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah. you know, better than I do, I guess, but from that perspective, um, that, so the 4680, now that you're, you brought that up real quick, the 4680, the, the, so the, the tweet that sort of started this conversation that we're having right now. Um, oh, by the way, we're already an hour in, are you still good with time? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm yeah. good. Yeah. Okay. Um, like how much, how much more do you think, uh, you need like 30 minutes or I can probably go, yeah, I can probably go 30 more minutes. You sure? Okay. Very good. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can go as long as you want. I just, I know you, you might have a busy schedule. So I just want to make sure that, that you're comfortable where you're at. Um, yeah, no, I appreciate it. 30, it's cool. Okay. Uh, the 3680 or the 4680, my apologies. And I saw you, you flashed it on the screen there for everybody to see the, the tweet that started it. I, I sent you a tweet and I said, Hey Gally, um, I saw the interview that you and, and Jordan had, uh, Jordan Gisigi, I think that's his uh, name from the limiting factor where you guys talked about the 4680 in detail in a lot of detail. And you guys went into the, the structure, the recycling uh, capabilities, potentially long-term about not just that, but the batteries long-term. Great conversation. I highly, highly suggest everybody who hasn't seen it to check it out. But I'm sure if everybody has seen this, probably has already seen that video, but if you haven't, make sure you check it out. And then sort of, I wanted to piggyback on that because of the recent things that are going on in um, Ukraine and Russia, uh, which uh, it's horrible. Um, one of the Honestly, like I feel like for the last 10 years for our generation, like really our last 20 years for our generation, you know, I'm, I'm 35, you said you're 29. So we're millennials and, you know, freaking 9-11, the housing crisis, freaking the Iraq war, Afghanistan war. Then you got COVID. Now you got this freaking thing going on. It's like, it seems like nonstop crap's happening. But the, the Russia-Ukraine conflict, what it really brought to mind is it seems, it seems like, uh, you know, the most important, the, the shittiest thing about this whole thing is the human life. Like human life is being lost. The Ukrainian people are suffering. The people that are being sent into the country from Russia are dying. From some of the videos we're seeing, half of them don't even know they're even supposed to be there and they're getting freaking arrested and all that stuff. But that's sort of besides the point. The, a lot of the prospects behind um, the conflict appear to be related to energy independence. So Ukraine has a ton of oil. Ukraine has a ton of natural gas. And there's, there seems to be some fear around um, Ukraine becoming a NATO nation, which then means that uh, the European, you know, Russia's borders would get much smaller, but then the European Union and NATO would have theoretically much better access to those resources, which will allow them to wane off of Russia's sort of stranglehold 
on oil and natural gas um, sort of in Europe and Gen Germany and other countries dependence on Russia. So like what I thought about is like, okay, so in the end, it appears that this whole freaking thing again, and this is my opinion, every, everybody's free to disagree with me, but ultimately what it appears to me is that this freaking thing again is about resource and who can get the oil and natural gas, the finite resource that we have in their power. That's what it appears to me. And then I'm like, okay, so how the frick do we get do we get off of this um, sort of continuous cycle where humans are constantly like fighting over borders and other like war interests because of energy, because of that thing that feeds humanity and, 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 and society? And I'm like, okay. So I started thinking about what are, what are the things that could help tremendously with that? And obviously renewables is a big one because renewables would allow countries to become much more self-reliant on on their own generation right you can if you have solar and wind you think that you don't have to go nearly as far to go into other countries to get their stuff or whatever but then i thought about the 4680 and the 4680 appears to be that holy grail which you've talked about many times that it's this holy grail technology almost that is going to allow us to achieve so much as a society and then within the context of like conflict between human beings and this is really what i want to ask you how do you think the 4680 is going to play, say, you know, 50, 100 years down the road when it comes to lessening conflicts in the world and wars that are mostly around oil and natural gas and, the, and having control over that? Have you thought about that? I would love to hear your thoughts about that. Wow. Yeah. And it's kind of, um, I, I agree so much. And it's like crazy that we're in a dark time and that makes us realize the value of this technology. and. Obviously, I want to say I stand with Ukraine, and I'm just like, I can't believe that that's happening. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I think scarcity is the a root of a lot of human issues. And then greed is like this emotion that manifests because of scarcity. And so that is why you have all these political powers fighting for these resources greedily because they're worried of their scarcity. And so this is just, to me, the 4680 is just energy abundance. And the idea that like, we can have cheaper, more energy that's done on site that you're in control of. Like it's almost like your own sovereignty as an individual if you have your own ability to get energy. And I think we're realizing that more and more. And so I'm a big believer in hyper change. And like, this is to me such an interesting example of like, we have the tech solutions, but we need to distribute these quickly and spread the word about them. And like, that's why I'm kind of obsessed with batteries and spent years of my life trying to predict that Tesla, like, like, will Tesla bring this in house? Will they create the battery skunk works? Will they accelerate this like trend of battery cost declines that will create the inflection point that gets us off fossil fuels? Like it's so, so important. I think technology is the only way out out of so many of these problems. Like like if we want to think about how do we have 50 billion humans, we need to under re, reinvent the underpinnings of how we all live. And um, this conflict, like, yeah, like I, I just, we, what fossil fuels are clearly um, extremely intertwined with war and a catalyst for war. And, and yeah. So I, I don't know. I almost don't want to comment too much on it because I just like know nothing about it. And I'm sure. just kind of like so depressed about it. But I just think we need if that doesn't wake you up to like why I'm so obsessed with Tesla and why I thought that this was worth dedicating my life to because we need this technology because otherwise we're stuck in this world that's just going to keep getting uglier and uglier. And like we need to we need to have a way out. And this is our hope. This is to me hope. And so, um, yeah, I just like 
it's only reinforced how dope the 4680 is, yeah. which is crazy to me that I thought it couldn't, it, I didn't think it would be any more important than I already thought it was. But now it's like, holy shit, like this matters. Yeah. Um, no, I appreciate that. Do, do you think, do you think when Elon's crafting these technologies, like, do you see him thinking like within that context as well about how the technology that he's building could potentially not only lead to less reliance on on fossil fuels and a finite resource, but to actually lessening global conflict, which will help humanity survive longer? Like, do you think that's part of his thought process? Probably, like, I think, yes, he understands that, but also no, not at all, because it's just physics. Mm. And it's just like, to him, it's like, yeah, like there's going to be a gazillion consequences that suck if we stay with fossil fuels and keep those inefficiencies and scarcities in society. Mm. So let's reduce that scarcity and increase abundance as rapidly as possible. And then that will decrease all of this negative sentiment. And like, whether you want to say it's war, geopolitical, this, like, like he's probably thinking about that, but that's all kind of derivative effects off of this first law of like, how do we get the cheapest, most sustainable energy? Got it. No, that makes a ton of sense. Um, if I want to, if I can shift gears to the to the bot real quick. So um, one of the things that Elon constantly mentions is that about the bot is that it doesn't really fit. It doesn't really fit into the whole mission statement of Tesla of advancing the world's future uh, towards sustainable transport and energy generation and all that stuff, right? But then I really started thinking about, okay, so if the bot turns out to be a massive asset and value. Um, creator from a labor perspective, right? From uh, making things, helping make things faster, helping things uh, that are physical happen faster. And I think about the acceleration of the uh, transition to energy, uh, you know, sort of the mission statement of Tesla. Wouldn't the bot actually be directly on within the mission statement because it's going to help Tesla achieve its goal faster because they're going to be able to have folks at, like these bots in the factories and installing solar roofs and everything else like that over time like how do you have you thought about that at all or or do you, like is it kind of a sandbag statement by elon to say it's not really part of the sh mission statement or like how do you think about that like how do you think about the bot within that context i mean if that makes definitely any sense I don't know if, something yeah, yeah yeah no it's definitely onto something because i think there is a labor shortage and that's gonna be but i don't know I personally think that's a really the the much bigger thing that Elon's thinking with the bot is that he tried to do open AI and he lost control of that organization or it's kind of doing its own thing. Mm. Governments aren't regulating AI. So now it's the question of who's going to build general AI first and whose hands is that going to be in? And he has decided it's going to be in the hands of Tesla shareholders because if it's not, then who else is going to own it? Mm. And so I think the bot is about so much bigger than automating all these other tasks. It's just about building general intelligence and Elon Musk wanting to do it in the best, safest way and being like, if I don't trust anyone to do it except myself. So even instead of doing open AI and setting a separate company, they want to let do their own thing with that. I'm going to just run with it and do it within Tesla and nobody can stop me. And that's, so it's a little bit scary and weird, but that's kind of, um, I think Elon has decided that this will be commercialized inevitably. It needs to be Tesla. Relative to the labor and the mission thing, um, it blurs the line because I feel like you're kind of reaching to super far in the future. It's like, well, wouldn't Tesla building its own smartphone that was more efficient help the mission because then we could communicate faster and we would all like be working faster too? Like it kind of gets to a stretch point of just like... Mm. 
if society needs this and it advances society, then it's good for the mission. So that's a little too broad, but um, I don't know. I think this is going to be one of the greatest questions of Tesla. And I think that's why AI Day was such an incredible moment for Tesla investors because it changed the trajectory of Tesla's future. Like you see the now you know branch of possibilities. Have you seen that graphic? Yes, yes. Okay, so yeah. So to me, we just went on a new branch that I never mm. saw us going on, which is AI robots, not just this clean energy branch. Mm. And that's a very interesting decision that I never saw Elon making, but now he's made. And frankly, takes my and feeling of Tesla from this feel-good, clean energy, benign thing to a potentially non-benign, radically transformative AI robot company that will severely impact how humans change. It's not like, oh, I get up and I turn my lights on, but now it's sustainable. So that doesn't change life. Mm. It's now I get up and my robot starts making my bed. My robot's making me breakfast. I don't really need to see my friends as much because my robot's doing all this. And like, that's just a really different and weirder future that, to be honest, I'm not like in like yeah i don't know it'll make a lot of money but i don't it's it's weird right i freaked out by it a little bit yeah i'm freaked yeah. out by a robot who will be smarter than me and can walk around that'll be really <laughs> yeah. weird. and i will not probably not feel comfortable with it in my home yeah. like honestly like i don't know i it, but, but i'm also like yeah i'll be luddite will adapt and tesla bots if you're watching i love you like <laughs> They'll watch this at some point, you know it. <laughs> they watch it and they're like, was Gally? He was hating on us from back then. I'm always going to say a polite, like the Tesla bot. Yeah, like, yeah. we love you bots. We love you. We, everybody yeah, loves you. Yeah. <laughs> Humanity is on your side, we promise. We're on your side. We created you. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> we are daddy and we love you. And it's also like, who doesn't get cooler than their parents? Obviously. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Dude, that's so funny. Um, I, I was thinking about this last night when I was... Um, like, I don't know, sleeping or something. I like right before I fell asleep, I forget when, but um, and it, I've, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about the bot and its its implications, right? And then what's what's been funny to me the whole time uh, since Tesla has gotten started, especially in the last two to three years, is, uh, you know, maybe not the Tesla community per se, but the broader, the broader population. When they think Tesla competition, they're thinking Mercedes, um, BMW, Toyota, you know, legacy auto, right? Oh my God, that's the real competition. They're going to come out with EVs. But like my head, my brain is already, and maybe this is uh, maybe it, uh, to a certain fault, but my brain's already like, Tesla already has, you know, say they, as long as they continue executing the way that I know they can execute and they have executed, um, it seems like their, their uh, chances of success when it come becoming the, not only the largest auto manufacturer in the world, but by far the most dominant when it comes to the self-driving tech and everything like that, appears to essentially be in the bag, but there is a lot of work to do. This is sort of my perspective, okay? So within that context, I'm like, okay. So they've entered the bot uh, sort of side of the business, which you talked about, which is a, a gigantic almost divergence from their path. And now you have this entire new path. Tell me if you agree with this statement. Tesla's actual competition is Google and Facebook, not these car companies. What do you think? Yeah, I like where you're going with that. Um, I don't know. The word competition to me is just so, whenever I it gets brought up, it's almost like the analysis becomes pointless. I don't know. Mm. It's like, I think Tesla's competing with like itself. You know, like, mm. uh, like it, I think they compete with convincing humans to buy their products mm -hmm. and, uh, like, like, like 
can you make your product, can you make your Tesla bot human enough to where people accept it? You know, like, mm. I don't know. That's like, to me, the biggest thing that Tesla's competing with is like our old way of life, you know? Mm. Like, can you really convince people that your new way of life is better? Because Tesla's, in terms of technology and speed and engineering prowess, is just, there's no one that has that. Um, there's no one that has it, I think. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. Okay. And, and, and the reason, yeah. Yeah. The reason why I asked that question is so, so Tesla seems to be solving for it's, they're obviously solving for the, how, how, um, uh, a, a robot or an object that's physical with a computer and cameras is interacting with the physical world. So that's, that's how, what, that's the data they're gathering. And it's very obvious that they're doing that. Google is gathering a ton of data about how humans behave, right? What are they searching? What are they looking for? What are they watching? YouTube, perfect example, right? They're sort of building these like, like um, models around how humans behave and what their things, like the, their, their likes and dislikes are or what they usually tend to and how they react to those things, right? And then you got Facebook who has that level of data, but they've actually crafted it around what a human actually looks like, where they live, um, who the family members are, how they interact with their family members, like that's the kind of like data sets that Facebook has access to. And it sort of dawned on me last night because I'm like looking at my YouTube analytics and I'm like, okay, so I, I know the age groups of the people that are watching my videos. I know the male or female, where they're watching, right? These sort of very, very high level basic uh, points of, of data sets. But it's no secret that Google, YouTube have so many different vectors and points that they can draw information from, right? So I'm like, if I fast forward 10, 20 years down the line, could we exist in a world where Tesla is solving the, the physical interaction problem, Google is solving the behavioral problem, and then Facebook is solving like the, hu like how the humanity problem. I don't know like, like how, how people, how, how to be actually human. And I don't know if you thought about that at all. And I don't know if there's some sort of like, like, again, the word competition, I use it, but it seems like those are almost synergistic in a way. Like if you combine those three things, then you have a humanoid robot that's going to look exactly like one. It's going to behave with the physical world exactly like how a human does. It's going to know about human things and it's going to know how to interact with other humans. Tell me if I'm like freaking batshit crazy. Cause like, this is what's been on my mind. No, no, no. This is genius. Hours. This yeah. is super genius and I, and I love what you're saying and I, I get it. And it's almost like um, these companies are excelling at mapping the resonance of humanity in their own way and, and sort of like it's like a mirror of all these human actions and the more human actions they get, the better the picture that they're creating that mirror is going to be able to replicate humanity. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like they're all taking new approaches to take human input in mass to develop an artificial intelligence which human inputs in mass are going to be the most valuable. And you're saying like all of these human inputs are creating three different beasts, which I think is super interesting. Um, but I, I also think when you explain it like to me this, it also makes me bearish on the singularity in AI because I almost think even, even saying, oh, you captured all my Instagram messages, you captured all my Google searches, you captured all my Tesla movements, you mm. s you'll still be so far from my humanity. Um, even though those will be complex AI systems. I don't know, but I love what you're saying. And I think those three companies with that lens are the closest to like hitting the singularity, right? Yep. In their own way. You're saying combined, they have the best shot, but in their own way, they're all trying to achieve the singularity with a different data set and a different way of, of mapping human decision-making at scale. Yeah. And 
Um, I love, this is big, dude. This is going to change the way that I think about it. And that's why I think Amazon is interesting because they know what people need when they need and how much they're willing to pay right. for it. Do you think about that's another data set of human decisions that's valuable if you're trying to recreate a human. Twitter is another one because you see how humans react to events and what they see in events, how that changes their reactions. Right. Like, um, yeah, and it's it's we're we're digitally mapping ourselves into the metaverse or this online world, and I think that's really weird, but that's where we're all going. And so, yeah, um, that's when I think about companies that are building things in the physical world. I all think of I think about them as portals to the virtual world. So that's why I think companies building physical spaces I'm investing in I think are so powerful because they're going to own our interaction with the digital world and like have a lot of value there. But yeah. It's weird. This is almost why I want to just live my life and not think too much about yeah, business. Right. <laughs> I just think it's like just too like, um, you know, it's just like I kind of feel like I I don't like where we're headed and I feel like I know where we're headed and I want to just live in the moment. Yeah, that's that's such a beautiful statement. That's like my wife hounds me with that stuff all the time. She's like, be fucking present. Like, why aren't you present? Like, I love you, sweetheart, but be present. I'm like, I, I literally, this is where a lot of my mind space has been going, especially like the last five, six months since I stopped working at Tesla. It's like, I have so much time now. And it's like, my brain automatically goes to that end result. And I agree with you. I think it's becoming, it's 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 becoming uh, almost increase, increasingly clear that the singularity is going to become a lot tougher to achieve because of how, like how segmented these very important data sets are for those AI systems to really become AGI or whatever you want to call it. I don't, I don't even know how you would achieve AGI because AGI theoretically would be a conglomeration of all these things put together in a sense, right? Because it's artificial general intelligence. It's something that should be capable of just solving things without, you know, that that isn't narrow, like a behavior thing or like a physical thing, right? So it's like, is there going to be, a company needs to exist that essentially will have to bring all these data sets together to make that AGI possible unless, and obviously I don't, I know nothing about AI. I'm like the least AI expert in the world, but it, if I'm thinking about it from like a problem solving perspective, almost like a first principles perspective, like that's what you need. You need all those data sets for the AGI to actually know how to act because if it doesn't know how, you know, maybe I'm thinking about this incorrectly. No, no, I think you are. And I think that's why yeah. I think Tesla should buy Neuralink because I think Neuralink mm. is the company that will displace mm. Google and Facebook and be the third link. And, and Neuralink's very important because it's not just what we output, it's what we think before we output potentially. So it'll Whoa. be a deeper layer. So if I think who has the best shot at doing AGI, it's like Tesla with Neuralink almost, Whoa. which is why I think Tesla should buy Neuralink. And that's like back to my theory of like what Elon's thinking is like, this is going to happen. I'm going to do it because I can do it with the most good. And I don't want, yeah. Wow. So it, and it's interesting you say that because he he always says that, you know, and it's obvious that he's incredibly worried about it. But like what you just said about Tesla buying Neuralink is like the actual um, like thing that happens physically that enables that to happen. Right. It's, it's his, but like from a business perspective and an actual reality perspective, like that, that action could theoretically set that in motion of creating that AI or AGI that's safe, safe for humanity. And it does good, you know? Wow. I didn't even think about that. Holy shit. And it's crazy because really it's not Facebook and Google in some ways it's Apple because Apple owns the hardware. So, and this is just the software that runs it. Like in many ways, that's why I think Apple and Tesla are such competitors. Cause like, um, and then that'll where in the long trajectory of humanity, 
the fascinating thing will occur. Will that be Steve Jobs pioneered this computer to everyone, but Tim Cook was unable to evolve it to the place where it needed to be for the singularity. And therefore he's going to get Apple's sort of manifesting them being the singularity is about to get leapfrogged by Elon and Tesla. Mm -hmm. And so it's this interesting like arc of great entrepreneurs kind of building on each other. And also maybe in five years or 10 years, Elon's arc gets disrupted and he doesn't do it. But I just think it's really interesting how Apple was always on that path. And now I see Apple um, not on that path to be mm -hmm. that company kind of. Mm -hmm. do, do you think... Do you think most people our age are optimistic or pessimistic about AI? Pessimistic. And mm. I think they're pessimistic about the future, which is really bad. And that's why I think going back to what we're saying about like inspiration, I think that's like, I feel like if we decide the future will be bad, it will be bad. Mm. And if we decide the future will be good, it will be good. And so we just need to like decide that it's going to be good. But I feel like that team is losing right now. Wow. But I mean, you identified you identified the 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 root cause. If if that's true, and I and I tend to agree with you, is that the the root cause the the first principle thing we have to fix is inspiration. So if folks are optimistic about the future, those are the people that are going to build the future. They're going to go out there and I actually almost build. Almost look at my mom is a cancer researcher, and I almost look at it as like a cancer, and that's the T cell because I think the cancer is the information of social media and media that makes us like really dumb and angry and polarized. And that's like a sort of information diet that we exist on, which we don't think of. We think about what foods we eat, but we don't think about what things, ideas we consume, but we think about the food we consume. So I think we're going to, that's going to change and that's happening, but maybe we don't put enough emphasis on the ideas we consume. Uh, but when we do, we're consuming too much negative ideas and too many dark ideas. And I just think that's why like one of my new mottos is I don't fix problems. I expand solutions. Like when I go into companies and try and help them, like, mm. so I want to like inspire, I want to like, like not try and like shut off all these bad lights, but like make the little, like your channel, make these lights brighter and make like these like positive movements like Tesla and like Arkimoto and like you know, the fun stuff happening in crypto, like those should be like things that we celebrate, that we excite and we inspire us and we should root for them. Like we root for sports teams. Mm. And I just think like, like the bigger, the problem, the bigger, the opportunity. I'm like, as much as this all makes me depressed and sad, I'm like, holy shit, this is so exciting because like, there's all these amazing ideas and stuff out there. And all we have to do is talk about it and get people excited. That's like what the world needs. And that's like what I'm good at and what I love doing. So I'm like, holy shit. Like on some ways it pisses, like it makes me sad, but in other ways I'm like, damn, all we got to do is talk about it. Like shit. I love talking yeah. about it. Like maybe like there is a way to fix it. So, um, that's like a big, a big thing. One of my careers, like I'm, I want to architect inspiration on a mass scale and figure out how we can deliver that. And that's why I think people like Mr. Beast are so dope. Like, I love Mr. Beast. Like, look at these radical new thinkers. Like he's just leveraging his audience to do good, to like get yeah. trash. Like he doesn't know what he's doing to get plastic out of the ocean, but he's like, screw it. We'll figure out, we'll partner with the guy. We'll raise 30 million bucks. We'll get some, like, these are the kind of people that I think we need to latch on to. And I want to like, that's the message I'm spreading to people. It's like, yo, if you have a good idea, like the world needs you to hear about it. Like the world wants people to get like, we need people to get loud with positivity and brightness and like optimism. And I think if those are like what you live your life by, you need to like spread that because the world needs it now. And like, you know, dude, this is so inspiring for the people out there listening to this. If, if you're, if you're for some reason, 
um, inspired to go out there and talk about these things. If this resonates with you, do it. Just do it. Just do it. Right. It's it's as simple as picking up that camera and just talking into it. There will be an audience. We're proof of that. We'll listen to your stuff, man. Like it's or not even just, not in a camera, even yeah. to your homies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. I think that's also another big thing is like yeah. spread that positivity like to your homies one by one is even also powerful that I yeah. think people, yeah. What a beautiful message, man. Holy shit. Um, I know we're, we're coming up in an hour and a half. I, I just want to ask you uh, just a couple small questions, a little bit of a, okay, yeah, of a can, fun game. Yeah. Um, yeah so this is, I call this the future game. Okay. And sort of rapid right. fire, whatever comes first to mind, but you, you let me know. There's uh, <laughs> six questions. I'll go through it quick. Okay. Uh, yeah. Number one. What percentage of the total new EV vehicle sales do you think Tesla is going to have by 2030? 50%. I agree. What percentage of legacy audio auto today will survive this decade? Zero. Shit. Without major restructuring. Okay. How, how do you think, uh, what do you think about Ford, uh, the CEO coming out and saying what he did? Did you see that? He said like, we're behind Tesla and they, they do it cheaper than us. Did you see that message from him no. that he made? Yeah. Like similar to D's, how he came out and said, yeah, we, we're not as good as Tesla. We got to get better. It was a, like publicly he said that, which I thought was a, wow. was a good big statement. I made a video about that. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, I guess I just think there are executives who weren't ever building the future and are not ever going to build the future. And they just have a role in history, which is to watch Elon surpass them and build what they should have been working on for their whole careers. Got it. I don't listen to what they say. Okay. <laughs> Got it. That's super fair. Um, <laughs> what percentage of total global battery manufacturing will Tesla have by 2030? 10%. Okay. How many bots will be sold by 2030? Like a million? Do you think Elon will still be a Tesla by 2030? Maybe not as CEO, but if he's alive, he'll be in an advisory position. He'll be like on the board or okay. chief scientist or something. You're like innovator. Yeah. He'll be involved, I think, if he's alive. Okay. Um, second to last one. Will Will Tesla reach full self-driving level four by the end of 2022? Well, I don't know. What does level four mean? Level four is kind of like you, uh, the car can drive you around. And you don't necessarily have to pay attention, but it could it could put you in a situation where you have to take over. Yeah, I think that's coming 2023, mid 2023, late 2023. Okay. And then last one, and this is not necessarily a future question, but, and we've talked a lot about this already, but I really want to see if, if uh, maybe perhaps you want to encapsulate and summarize this. Um, what do you think is humanity's purpose? Wow. What is human? Um, to experience the universe. Okay. Okay. Perfect. I love it. Galley, <laughs> dude, I, I, I am so honored to have been able to sit down with you and have such a deep conversation. I, I felt so comfortable. Like you, you were so easy to talk to and, and your ideas have always, I was, they've always been so big and, and brilliant. And I, and I really am honored to have had the chance to sit down and talk to you, honestly, especially since you said you're kind of going, you're going to go on a sabbatical and, and sort of yeah. discovering your life. Like, I wish you the best of luck. I think that 
that is one thing that people, uh, I wish more people had the chance to do that in the world because I, I think it could be so life-changing. And I want to wish you the best of luck through that process. I'm, I'm Without a doubt, I know you're going to have, you're going to find a lot of successes for you as a person. Forget the money, forget the fame or whatever. As you as a human being, I think you're going to find a lot of success in that. And I wish you the best of luck. And I'm so, so happy that I got the chance to talk to you uh, and you being so open and, and honest about everything you said, man. Thank you so much. Seriously. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you, Rob. This was really dope. I appreciate yeah. it. You're gonna keep you're gonna be you do amazing things. So I, I appreciate it, bro. Thank, thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. All right, everybody. Yeah. Thank you for stopping in. We're gonna let Gally go. Thanks. He's got a busy day.